0: Thank you for checking out the Messio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. I got a lot of dreams in life. You know what I'm saying? One of my dreams is that we're going to have a tech person who's just going to start the recorder, and I don't have to leave and awkwardly do that, okay? So join with me in believing for that, all right? <laughs> As a small body, we have a lot of needs, and, and sometimes it, is, um, it can be daunting, um, but it is when you believe in a vision that God has for this city, the vision of people coming to Christ the the vision of people experiencing salvation, the vision that I've seen of every seat in this church field, even though it's not at this point, um, I think that it really gives our purpose to all that we do here. So if you wonder why I'm so excited all the time and optimistic is that God made me specifically for this task, that we are, you know, transitioning out of a a pandemic and um, attempting to stir up hunger and stir up thirst again. But um, I love to talk about what I get to talk about today, which is our hum- human need and our human hunger for passion. That to me, the um, definition of passion is going beyond where you think you can. It, it is a, a moment, even of Jesus walking completely to the cross and it says that he drank the cup of iniquity all the way down till it was gone. It's going beyond what we even think is humanly possible and not holding anything back. I've told this story sometimes about me as a kid and my mother goes outside to hang up some laundry and I'm like beating on this window because I want my mama. I, love, I was a mama's boy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm beating on the window, and I break the window and and cut my wrist doing so. So I have a scar to remind me how passionate I am in life, <laughs> how it's, it's something about us just continuing to press until there is breakthrough. But we've been through so much. We've experienced so much loss and so much pain, in it, creates a reticence in us or a reluctance to give our whole heart to something because what if it doesn't work out? So I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to kind of, you know what I'm saying, be in and out and kind of into this Jesus thing, kind of not, you know what I'm saying? Because it may not work out because then I can walk away from the burning ship and say, look, I knew it was always going to happen that way. And I think that happens because of our Our reticence to trust God with all that we have and say, Father, I know when I put everything on the table for you, I know that you will show up because fire always falls on sacrifice. And that is what sacrifice leads to. It's passion. But there's something inside of us that always desires that. We desire to put, put our whole heart into something, to put our whole, all of our strength and our power. What's the greatest commandment? That you will love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's the greatest commandment. But Jesus was pointing to a longing, a desire in us to be all into something, to leave it all there. But we've seen so many things not work out. We've seen so many people walk away from the faith. People that were on fire for Jesus. Like, I will die for you, Jesus. I surrender all in Jesus. And they're like, I'm out of here. A little storm happens. A little wind starts blowing. And faith is deconstructed and faith is, becomes a painful thing. But that hunger that's inside of us, I want to encourage that in you today. I want to encourage that desire to go beyond where anyone has gone we you know we do the same things and we expect different results that's not usually the way that life works it works that when we get to the end of ourselves we find the beginning of God of who God is and we begin to lay things down for him that we find this grace a great prophet in scripture is Jeremiah Jeremiah was a young young prophet who was constantly in doubt that he was called to minister to God's people. So much so that he was called the weeping prophet because he was very sensitive. He was much different than Ezekiel, who was a hard-headed, rough guy. You know what I'm saying? But he was, uh, Jeremiah was just very sensitive and really connected with the pathos of God, which is the pain of God. That was, that was something that he... Um, he, he pursued, and so his time that he was in Israel, he actually took the book of the law and traveled around to all the cities, weeping over the cities and telling them exactly what kind of sin they were doing. You think everybody liked that? Not really. <laughs> Here comes Jeremiah, <laughs> and telling so you know as it could be understood, everybody hated Jeremiah, and he prophesied. Before their captivity in Babylon, it was a warning. It was saying, You're apathetic. Come on, turn back to God. We need to go back to God. And nobody listened, and then they go into Babylon. And this is in Jeremiah 29, after they're in Babylon. And people are prophesying, This is going to be over soon. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) the pandemic is over (laughs) you know it's like it's over now it's over so people were prophesying this is going to be quick we're going to be back home soon enough and Jeremiah is like "Uh, let me make sure you're under no uh, false pretenses this is going to take a while but in the midst of it what did he share with them in Jeremiah 29 and 13 this comes right after for I know the plans that I have for you we all know that verse in Jeremiah and then you will call to me and, and, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have, I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Wow, that Jeremiah was trying to warn the children of Israel that God was going to drive them somewhere. Why? Because it seemed as if they didn't want to search after the Lord until they had to hit rock bottom. Does that sound familiar? We seek after the Lord when we're at rock bottom. In some ways, this church can feel like that. Why? We're always having this discussion about our budget. Our budget is in trouble. Oh, man, this is going on, and uh, we got to figure this out. How is this church going to survive? And we have been through the fire like a mug. It is quite obviously that God wants this church here. He's even called my family to be a part of here, and our leadership is amazing. And all the people that give into this body is amazing. But sometimes it takes us this moment to really see what we're made of. Will we dig deep in our faith? Will we dig deep in our trust and our words and our promises that God has said? Or will we fold? And that Jeremiah would give this word when they are all captive, wondering how the future is going to look. God says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That I remember... Our prayers are not good prayers when success looks like we don't need God anymore. All God wants is to be close to us, right? What brings us closer to him than bad times? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing does. Anybody ever been looking for a job? <laughs> How close are you to God in that moment? <laughs> Jesus, oh, I love you so much. Did I get a job yet? Okay. Jesus, come on, you're amazing. And God's biggest fear to me, and this is in my opinion what I believe God's biggest fear is, is that we get what we pray for and we forget about him. So why? So he's like, I'm going to extend this trouble a little more because I get a lot more of them. These are the conditions in which God is calling us to lay our heart down and to not give up, to go beyond everything we have ever seen. Passion is the power that God has given us. Faith is in a realm that we can't see, but passion is what drives us deeper into that darkness even though we can't see it. But the truth of the matter is, There's always a darkness there. There's always an unknown. There's always a fear and anxiety of what could possibly happen in the future. But what is driving us forward into it? And often it is reticence and reluctance of fear. Waiting for something that's going to cause us to cringe again and shrink back. But we are not of those who shrink back into perdition. We are of those who believe and are saved. We are able to recognize when we are mired many times in complacency, but in order to see what we have not seen, we have to go where we have not been. And that is in ourselves. And when I was a kid, it was a street that I went down, and this dog tried to bite the brakes off me. <laughs> Literally, I was on my bike. And the dog <laughs> It took me a long time to be able to go down that street again. But that's the way fear works. It goes, look, all right, you went down that street, you gave your whole heart to Jesus, right? And it didn't work. So you got to stay away from going down there. Even though that avenue may be the place of your greatest breakthrough. And as long as the enemy can scare us away from that, then we don't have to worry about going Where we have not been. A little bit earlier, this is before the children of Israel were taken into captivity. And Jeremiah was prophesying at the end of King Josiah's reign. If you know Josiah, he became king when he was eight years old. So in his 13th year of his reign, Jeremiah started to prophesy. Now when you think of the books of the prophets in scripture, what do you think they're organized by, right? We have major and we have minor prophets. They're just organized by length of book. (laughs) Wow, same way with the epistles. Length of book. We're like, this is obviously more important because it's the first. No, it just got more writing in it. (laughs) More of the letters are collected in it as well. And Jeremiah, at his time, was not very well esteemed. He was prophesying at the same time of Habakkuk, Ezekiel. But he was so young that he wasn't esteemed as some of the other prophets. But these words that echoed through scripture of why he had to go around and tell everybody of their sin and how brokenhearted God was Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding back and I could not. It's like, you know, wanting to say something to someone, you know, they get like like a booger on their face or something. And you're like, I'm holding back. I can't do do him like that. I was weary of holding it back. (laughs) Look, man, come on. I can't let you go out there like that. (laughs) Jeremiah is weary of holding it back. This passion and this hunger. That passion is the power of the believer, but it's also proof of our devotion. That love has no boundaries. When we're in love, it doesn't think twice about anything. But there's a fire inside of us. And I I understand that we've been through tough times and some of you are just like, brother, you talking about a fire. I mean, I think I got one coal. (laughs) You know, I think, you know what I'm saying? You get that barbecue pit, it's like one coal. <laughs> it, it, it used to be red hot, now it just looks ashy in a mug, you know what I mean? <laughs> but w- what does it take to get it back to a roaring fire? <laughs> Gather all of these coals together, which is why community is so important. All it takes is a little breath. <laughs> And it bursts back to life. And these sparks go everywhere and catch everything on fire. At this fire that is shut inside of us. And I feel like it's just been some people who are just wrestling like, is it a passion there? I don't know. It's just like, um, it's, the, it's the fear. I don't, I don't know if I should step in that direction anymore. It is there. It is built Every human is built around that. I heard someone once say that God has a dream and he builds a human around it. We all have this spark that God has put inside of us and this desire that would only be filled by him. And the world spends a lot of time convincing us that that's not true. You know, man... One of the hardest things about coming into contact with people who are passionate and free, which is ultimately what passion is for, is that it can feel like a prophetic critique on your spiritual life. You go, well, man, if this is going on, what? I'm, it's just horrible. What but when actually what we're supposed to be doing is getting close so that those sparks can fly off on us and we can burst into fire that in the kingdom, we all get to experience that through each other. This rich young ruler who approached Jesus and said that he had done everything. Look, man, I've I've done it all. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Tell me what else I could possibly do. You know, I'm sure he was sitting back waiting to hear something. And Jesus said, give all that you have, all that you have, and follow me, and he went away because he had many possessions. That some talk about the Old Testament paradigm for giving, which is tithing, which is giving to the church 10% of all that you have. Now, actually, it's not 10% of what you have. It's 10% of your income, the first 10% of your income. Why do we do that? Because it just sounds good. No, it's not because it sounds good. It's because it is a sign of our passionate devotion to Jesus. It is a sign of our passion for him. Well, man, I don't even have 10%. Well, 3%. It's not a formula, but it is a place of our heart. And so the rich young ruler saying, I've done it all. Jesus says, give it all and then come. He's like, uh, I don't know. There we go. You know, this is the New Covenant. It's not the Old Testament. That's the old paradigm, tithing. You know what the New Testament uh, paradigm is? All. That our generosity actually starts after the tithe. That's when we go, oh, man, I'm generous now. After that. And I think our passion is, like, so calculated sometimes, is it? Our strength, our mind, our love for God is so calculated sometimes. And God is like, I said all, everything. Well, you know, I don't know. All. He needed all the lunch to multiply it. He needed all of our hearts in order to set it on fire. I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back, cause I want to see my Jesus one day. I've got my mind made up, and I won't turn back, cause I want to see my Jesus someday. It's, it's no going back for me. This is It's only forward of all the options that we consider a possibility because a church is not doing what people in the world think a church should do, it feels different than it looks. It feel, I feel the fire of God. I feel his promises coming alive. I feel his joy and his strength and his passion for us. If only we respond in kind to the Savior who has laid it all on the line, our minds made up is what determines the manifestation of his goodness. Lately, I've just been feeling this heartbeat for people who are lost in the city. I've just been feeling this heartbeat. And you know, as we can do, when we feel things, then we begin to overthink them, right? <laughs> our head is higher than our heart. So we naturally in life, we go, man, eh, let me overthink this a little bit, okay? All right. And although Peter gets a bad rap in scripture, Peter was really just... Putting his heart over his head and jumping as soon as he felt God was in the midst of something. And I'm feeling the call that as we're taking lunches to the park and feeding people that on that, but I'm feeling the call to go out and pray on the street for people in our neighborhood. Those who are populating, going all up and down Armitage, going to the bars and the restaurants and all that stuff people who are lost, who really, really need Jesus, a time that we can be light for him out there. So that's going to be starting soon. My heart for us is that we would be not what crazy vision it is, but who are we we becoming? that we're becoming a people who worship in our hearts and our generosity a people of prayer who seek after the Lord and a people who reach the lost that there's this is what we exist here for that we are here to be on mission together if um, if I make friends on mission awesome. If I find a new recipe from somebody in my community on mission, awesome. But the point is on mission. And our mission is to do this. Be people who worship, a people who pray, and the people who reach the lost. In 1 Kings 19 Elijah calls Elisha into ministry while he's um, sowing behind 12 yoke of oxen, which means he was a man of great stature and set to inherit great wealth from his family. And Elisha was looking for someone who would be his mentee, one that he would pass his mantle down to. And it says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, it was actually a cloak, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to them, he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled the flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people. And then they ate and he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. That sounds that's what uh, not having a plan B sounds like. To have a barbecue with your inheritance. (laughs) God can't open another door for us when we are still keeping another door cracked sometimes. That just in case this doesn't work out, God, I know you understand me, right? I'm I'm just going to keep this door open because if that doesn't understand, this is like leading, this is our consumer culture, you know what I'm saying? I got to have the right music in the church, I got to have the right people, I got to have the right time, I got to have the right things, I got to have the right carpet, sorry about that. (laughs) I got to have all these right things happen because I got options. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I go to the stores, 40 different kinds of spaghetti sauce. Quite obviously, <laughs> this is what we're meant to do in life. But there is no plan B for passionate people. There is no tossing up options and see what sticks against the wall. There is only us listening And following what the Lord has called us to do. I was talking this week about one of the toughest things I've done, which is read only the Bible for a year. I'm thinking I'm going to do that for the rest of this year too. It was difficult, more difficult than reading 52 books in a year. You know, a book a week. Because that focus is hard when my dad is sending me books. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm at the age now where the older guys in my life just like want to send me books. I'm like, okay, I don't, John Tyson, okay, I think I know who that is. Thanks for the book. All right. <laughs> and then I feel this pressure. I'm like, I got to read this book. They sent it to me. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but there was such a focus in that year of hearing the Lord and knowing exactly what he wanted me to do. Why? Because I wasn't entertaining any other voices. I wasn't entertaining any other narratives. Which we walk around in life with a lot of narratives in our life. A lot of things in our head. A lot of murder mysteries from Netflix. All that stuff is in our head, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that, but these are all narratives that make it very difficult sometimes for us to focus our devotion on Christ. Yeah, I know that sounds radical to do something like that, but when we realize that our our passion must be commiserate with our purpose. That what God has created you to do, it has to be commiserate with your habits. It has to be commiserate with your focus in life. This is... Denali mountain in Alaska, just one of the mountains that God created, you know, <laughs> with his words, you know, nothing, nothing this this. And I'll look at sometimes things like this in nature and go, how much love of creation does it take to make something like this? How much passion and focus for God to craft something that's beautiful. And how much more beautiful is each and every one of us. That he loves us so much that he's sort of sealed inside of us all this power that is unlocked when we cross these boundaries of fear. We are here for the mission of God. What I dream about and think about is all the people in this body, all the people who are part of our community who maybe have never seen anyone come to Jesus. Woo-wee! You want to talk about filling the butter, lead someone to the Lord and you will go, oh man, this is wonderful. I got a vision this week, and it was of me, but I think it also represents us in some, some regard. And it was, you know, a power line, a down power line, and it was just flopping in the street, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, God, what does this mean? He's like, this is like what you are. You are you're very powerful, but you really must be plugged in, and you, you can power homes for many generations, what does that plug? It means to be plugged into community. It means to be plugged into a systematic way of getting the love and power of God to others. That for humans, we don't like the word systems, you know, unless you work in systems. But we really like maybe it's just habits. What habits are we building? And me as an artist, is really hard to like, okay, I'm going to do this thing every day for the rest of my life. (laughs) But our habits are the way that we show God we are lighting the way into new generations. The meek shall inherit the earth, right? The meek shall inherit the earth. I love this definition of meekness, which is power under control. A war horse. Fully harnessed, fully ready, but under control. Meekness is not weakness at all. It is us harnessing this power that God has given us. And there's no better way to do that than with our passion. That when we dim the switch, turn the switch, there is no dimmer switch in the kingdom. It just isn't. I know you may have some in your homes, right? Turn the lights down low. <laughs> no pastor said that today in any church in America. <laughs> there's no, no dipper switch in the kingdom. It's just all or off. You guys want to stand up? One of my greatest fears in life is what if I Go to heaven, and I leave something here. I leave some strength here. I leave some desire here. I leave something that, that I still have to do. I want to lay it all on the line. You guys want to hold your hands out in front of you? Father, we trust that you will keep us. We trust that you will lead us. We trust that you will protect us, that you will honor our patience and our sacrifice through this life that seems to take more than it gives. But, oh, Father, oh, Father, how you have called us to live a life on purpose with passion. Teach us to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength with all that we have, that we would not hold back any bit of what you've given, but in your grace, and in your mercy, we would surrender all to you, that the song would come, become a reality for us. As we focus every bit of our devotion upon you, let us be a people, powerful, meek, inheriting the earth because of the goodness of who you are, God. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the gospel.